Josh. Hi, Josh. You're supposed to do an interview with Living Color? Right. Are you ready for that? Yeah. About how long are you going to be? Um, probably about 15 to 20 minutes. Okay, that's good. No problem. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Hello? Hello? Hi, this is Vernon. Oh, hello, Vernon. I'm living Color. Uh, my where, where are you located? Uh, I'm in Princeton, New Jersey. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah, we're with WPRB. All right, great. Um, all right, Vernon, uh, are you the only one from the band uh, that's around right now? Yeah, we're the only, I'm the only one from the band that's here right now. Okay. All right, well, it's, uh, it's great talking to you. We're all big fans. We're really boosting the record. We think it's uh, one of the best albums that's been put out this year. Hey, thanks a lot. We, it's real important uh -huh. to us, you know? It's real important, and it's great. It's a great feeling to hear that from somebody. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, so, uh, yeah, we saw you live a couple times before the album came out, and so we were real excited for the album, and, you know, we think it captures the energy of a live performance really yep. well. Yep, yeah, well, we really um, enjoyed playing over there, uh -huh. you know, so it's really, it's really gratifying to hear that the record's having a good impact, you know? Uh-huh. So you All really right. dig it. Yeah, just, just a few questions here. Um, as far as the background goes, um, when did you guys get together, and, and did you know each other before, and then just decide to form a rock and roll um, band? Or? Actually, we got together about two years and change, two uh, two and a half years ago. Uh -huh. And uh, I, the only person I really knew was Corey, and I, I had met him while I was still with the Decoding Society. Uh -huh. I, I met him at a party, and. Uh, we talked about hooking up, and then I um, had did, went away to go on tour, and I came back, and I was trying to call him, and I had, like, the wrong number, and so my sister finally gave me the right number. Right. And um, we hooked up, and then it was a different bass player and drummer, a uh, different bass player and drummer, and they dropped out, and I got recommended to uh, William Calhoun and Muzzy Skillings, and they joined the band. Right. Did, did they come as a package? No, no, no. Um, at first, it was the other bass player and William. Right. And after he split, then uh, Muzzy joined the group. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it seems like you guys have been together for years, the way you play on stage. You're really tight. Yeah, well, we really work at it. Uh -huh. uh, we really work at it. And there's a lot of empathy. We really like each other. Right. As people. So it's... So that really helps also. So when there's a musical communication and also there's a personal affinity, then then that's just, you know, the right yeah. chemistry, I think. Definitely, yeah. It's great that you guys get along because you're all fantastic musicians. Um, you mentioned the Decoding Society before, right? That was yeah. with Ronald Shannon Jackson, right? Yeah, Ronald Shannon Jackson. Uh-huh. I played um, with him for a number of years, actually, and, and did all the Decoding Society records up to about 1984. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, part of your diverse backgrounds. I know that Corey is an actor. And yeah, he was in Platoon. Right. Um, how does that, you know, that combination of different backgrounds um, serve to help the band artistically? Um, do you well, you just have different vantage points from which to view um, a situation. Uh, everybody has a different slant on it and brings their own interpretation to the work we're doing. Uh -huh. So it works out fine in that regard. Right. Um, something along those lines, um, Living Color seems to bring together a lot of different kinds of music. Mm -hmm. um, 
all sorts of influences. It's really hard to pinpoint. Um, which do you feel were the strongest? Um, uh, band? The strongest influences. I think I think one of the strongest influences, are, I guess, are social influences, like the uh -huh. just trying to deal with the notion of being an American, being a Black American, dealing with that, and musically, we're trying to create a, a I guess, a string of a stream of music that that can draw from a lot of different things, but kind of works as a unified sound. Because you can be also almost too eclectic, so like you're, like you're, you know, it's too much of this and too much of that. Right. But we, I think we've got a balance. Whereas the um, different things we put, elements we put into a song, really supports the lyric of the song. So it's it's very much a piece by piece type of thing. But it is centered around being a rock band, right? You know, because we feel rock definitely gives you. Uh, I think more of a vantage point to, to put all these different influences into action and have it work. Yeah, it's a real high energy sort of music. And uh, hello. Yeah, right, am I coming through? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a high energy sort of music. Yeah. And yeah, that's you know, there's definitely no other music that would give you that charge, that charge, that cathartic charge. Right. You know, trying to uh, yeah. to really, uh, I guess. I guess when I talk about catharsis, really uh, work out the different problems, frustrations, you know, yeah, that you feel, and also to have a good time too. That's the other thing about it too. Right. So it, it's a balance of the, I guess, the high, the low, serious, not so serious. Uh -huh. Yeah, so, you seem uh, to seem to have a good meeting point of. You know, it's a real important process for us. Right. Um, are you guys all from New York City? We're all from New York City. Right. How, do, how, does that, how does that reflect on your music? Do you consider yourself well, a New York band? Well, as, a, as an environment, New York is uh, it's like an ugly, horrible, beautiful painting, sort uh -huh. of. You know, there's all, you know, it's almost like, like you, if you saw the movie Blade Runner, uh, uh, where yeah. like a future looks like um, a lot of old things and new things piled on top of one another. I mean, that's sort of what's happening in New York. I mean, maybe not as futuristic looking, but, um, I mean, there's such a collision of different cultures. Um, even even while cultures kind of mix, there's, there's like a real collision of the different things mm -hmm. that you see. But we managed to all make it coexist. So I think, you know, being from New York, I mean, I love it, you know, and I grew up in Brooklyn. And Corey's is from Brooklyn, Calhoun is from the Bronx, and Muzzy's from Queens. Right. And we all try to try to bring all those different local types of influences to to the music too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, something that's sort of associated with New York and the band is the Black Rock Coalition. Black Rock Coalition. Right. Did did that come first, or well, did the band come first? Yeah, the Black. Hello. Yeah, am I, am I coming through? Did did the band come first, or did the Black Rock Coalition come first? Oh, the band was first. Uh huh. The band was first, and then um, the Black Rock Coalition formed because I saw things happening to other friends of mine that were doing really creative music and was relating it back to what we were doing, and I started to see a pattern in terms of, you know, I started wondering if this was happening to, like, uh, musicians across the country, right. too, if other people in other areas are feeling the same way. Did you, did you feel that you had a hard time getting acceptance as an all-black band that was playing mostly rock music? Well, 
in our um, there was a bit of it was like building our audience. You know, first that was the main thing, building it in New York, like at CBGBs. Like the people at CBGBs are always very supportive of what we were doing. Yeah, they never really tripped out on us because hey, you guys are black. What are you guys doing? You know, uh -huh. it is pretty much. It was a very supportive atmosphere in which to work out what we were doing. Mm -hmm. But uh, definitely there were, you know, instances of people kind of, like we opened for Big Audio Dynamite right. at Irving Plaza. And when we were playing the show, like, people seemed very confused. I mean, it was weird. The audience was like, some people really dug it. Other people were just like kind of wondering what was going on. You know, so there was like a bit of confusion there, I guess, because... They saw us get on stage, and then they heard us plug in and play, and then they're trying to plug in what their concept of what they thought black people should be about and right. what they were hearing and trying to make those two concepts work, and they, wasn't, they weren't able to do it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's led to some amusing, interesting, uh, interesting things. Do you think uh, your originality helps you get a recording contract? Um, I know that Mick Jagger was probably really instrumental in helping yeah, he you really, guys Yeah, he out. really liked us. Um, how, did, how did you get to know about the band? He uh, was, recom was recommended to him by someone else. A friend of his came and saw it, saw it and said, you should go check this band out. They're really, really good. And he came to uh, CBGB's, in fact, and he really liked it. Uh -huh. And uh, thought it was really good. And we um, we eventually wound up working on um, Glamour Boys and Which Way to America. I would I think that that we we brought in songs that were really formed in our style that we had worked everything out and that we weren't like in a transitional period of kind of figuring out what we were doing really helped a lot. So like when you when you um, bring something that's a little different, it's good to have it to the point where it really works and stands on its own as a as a concept, right? And basically, we had got it to that point, and so I think that really helped us, right? Were those were, plus were people like the songs too? Yeah, definitely. Were the uh, Mick Jagger demos your first recordings? Uh, no, we had done um, some earlier things, some earlier, some earlier demos, and uh, the Mick Jagger recordings were the recordings that got us the deal, right? So I guess Epic was was pretty much impressed both with the music and the name. And, and those demos actually wound up being on the album. Uh-huh, Yeah. And just uh, Ed Stasium, who did the rest of the record, remixed those two songs. Right. Um, how did he? Uh, how did you end up getting Ed Stasium as a producer? I know uh, that one of his main. As a producer? Yeah. Um, I know one of his main credits before was well? uh, Talking Heads, and I know that you guys are influenced by them. Did that have anything to do with him uh, producing the album? No, we found out that he worked at Talking Heads. It was funny. We we hooked up with him because um, he was the, one of the engineers, or the main engineer, on Jagger's album. Uh -huh. And I really just liked him as a person, and we all just liked him. Uh -huh. We really got along with him and Paul Hammingson, who was our engineer. And I found out later that right. he worked on the first Talking Heads record, so that was kind of funny, kind uh -huh. of amusing. Yeah. And um, I, I, I guess we covered the Talking Heads song because, you know, it really worked out to be really one of our one of our better live things. Uh -huh. And uh, I chose the song because I, I just liked what the lyric was saying, and I related to that. 
Right. And we just did our own arrangement of it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that, that song seems to be different. I mean, not only in the fact that it's a cover, but it seems like the lyrics are more ambiguous on that song than on some of the other ones. It seems like you're really out front with your lyrics, um, that, that you're really trying to cover lots of social and political issues. Um, uh, yeah, I think it, I think it kind of... Yeah, it's definitely social concerns in there. I, I kind of look at it as not really being um, a programmatic. I don't look at it as a programmatic thing, like I'm going to write a song about you know, about social injustice. I think uh-huh. basically I deal with whatever comes as a songwriter. Um, and Corey, um, when he wrote Middleman, actually wanted to write about the experience of being, you know, betwixt and between, right. having to make choices and what have you. Um, songs like Open Letter to a Landlord, I basically, I basically was thinking about my neighborhood and what would happen if, my neighborhood really changed radically in Brooklyn and thinking about the East Village and what's happening there. And it basically came from, from there, but not really a conscious effort. But it's kind of worked out to be that way. Uh-huh. And I'm very glad. Right. Very glad. So Corey did write the lyrics for Middleman. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I was wondering how that worked. It seems like most songs on the album are written or credited only to you, but then Cult of Personality, Desperate the People. Yeah, that was written... Um, the music we worked on together, and I wrote most of the words for Cult of Personality, but uh-huh. um, it was such a collective group effort that, you know, we consider it a, it's a, it's a band composition. Right. And it, does Desperate People work out that, or did it work out the same way? Sort of. That was a little bit, that was a little bit um, different. Uh-huh. That was a little bit different, because on that song, like, all of the words were words that I wrote, uh-huh. and the way we wrote it, the way it came together was a little bit, was a little bit different, not quite as uh, completely organic as Cult of Personality, but it basically works out the same. Right. Also, um, on Open Letter, um, you credit T. Morris with additional lyrics. That's right. Tracy, Tracy? Tracy Morris okay. actually uh, is a member of the Black Rock Coalition, uh-huh. and I had written most of the words, and I was stuck at a certain point. Uh-huh. And I presented the song to her, and after she could help me out because I knew that she had a kind of social bent to the kind of things that she was writing. And she gave me this one line, this couple of lines of, of dialogue. You know, she wrote like a whole. It's almost like an alternate song, but out of that whole thing, there was there was this one line that she wrote that enabled me to finish the rest of the song. Uh huh. And so it was important to, to get her down, or get her credited for doing that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, without her, without her help, I probably, I, without her help, I guess I would have eventually slugged it out and finished it, but it wouldn't have been as good. Uh-huh, yeah, it's, it's a very inspirational song. Um, to switch subjects a little bit, um, I've heard that, that you said the album was recorded mostly live in the studio. Yes. Um, but you can certainly hear, uh, like, a number of voiceovers. I mean, most obviously, like, the uh, the voices of Malcolm X and John Kennedy and Franklin Roosevelt on Cult of Personality and sort of the ends of uh, Which Way to America. Which Way to America, right, the TV stuff. You know, there's, um, on, on Cult of Personality, we also have Joseph Stalin's voice on there, too. Oh, yeah. 
Where was that? Is he speaking? Right, right before the guitar solo. Uh huh. You hear like a snatch of something. You can't quite hear it. Right. But uh, we got like an old, old, old uh, radio thing uh-huh. that he did, um, and we used that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a li- we did stuff from tapes for the speeches, and we did a little bit of sampling. Right. Um, also, it, it seems like there's there's a number of songs where there's more than one guitar track. You know, you can hear like a rhythm guitar un- underneath the solo. I think uh, I think that's probably um, funny vibe. Uh huh. Yeah. Funny vibe is a little rhythm guitar. For the most part, uh, there's no, uh, under underneath the solos, there's no other thing except for the bass and drums. Uh-huh. But in little spots here and there, there there are, like, things just to fill it out. But um, we try not to overproduce it. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it sounds a lot like your live shows, which is probably a really good thing. Um... As far as you personally, um, I've heard comparisons, um, and I don't know if they're very apt, to uh, to Jimi Hendrix and other sorts of guitar heroes. Um, it seems like people are trying to build you up as a guitar hero. Um, how do you take to that, or is that something you're comfortable with? Or? Well, you know, as a guitarist, I think my work is an ongoing thing. You know, I'm, it's not like well, you get to a certain point and wow, you're a guitar hero, so there you are. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's not about that. I mean, I. I kind of, um, I kind of view even the way I, it, it, I even kind of view like chops and playing fast and stuff as, as kind of um, not the real issue. I think the real issue in terms of what I'm trying to do as a guitar player is I'm trying to work out certain things in my life and translate that into uh-huh. into guitar, into right. playing, and it's an ongoing thing. To you know, of cl- you know, of developing more clarity, adding new techniques or new I- ways of playing or new ways of phrasing, right. um, finding new ways of, of playing, you know, different types of feels and stuff. Uh-huh. So it's an ongoing type of thing. I, I'm very uh, complimented and gratified that um, people have made certain kind of comparisons. You know, whether they're really accurate, I don't know. I know that I'm trying to work out a particular thing. Right. So I, I, I talked to a friend of mine who's a guitar, uh, classical guitarist, and he's uh, actually really excellent. He's been playing for a long time. And he told me that he felt that he could sense the, his, the improvement in his playing, not only from year to year, year but also month to month, week to week. Um, do you feel that that's uh, the same case with you? Can you sense that you're constantly improving, getting I, better? Yeah. When, <laughs> when things are going right, I am. You know, uh-huh. you kind of... Go, go, try and go forward. You try and go forward. Uh-huh. Sometimes you go back. But even when you feel yourself dropping back a little bit, you know, as long as you're gaining new insight, uh-huh. um, then that's a, it's, it's important to keep, keep for me to keep my ears open uh-huh. and my head clear right. and not to get too bogged down. Uh-huh. So that's... Um, you know, definitely as you play more and more and more, you know, and if you keep yourself open and keep working at it, uh-huh. you know, there's definite improvement. But um, I was saying earlier today, you can't really, you have to desire it. You can't right. make yourself, you can't say, oh, I'm going to sit in a room and play for 16 hours and I'll be good. Uh-huh. You know, you, you, you can only do that because you really want it. Uh-huh. You know, so yeah, uh, I take it that way. Right. Um, well, kind of to change the subject a little bit, just one last question here. Um, 
what, what sort of audience are you looking at? Are you trying to get like uh, sort of a very diverse audience to yes, match your style? Definitely. We're um, trying to definitely bring down some barriers that have been uh, artificial barriers that are being erected among the young. Definitely, you know, amongst each other, you know, you know, black, white, men, women, you know, I think that um, that's kind of what we're trying to build towards. And you know, we hopefully we'll, we'll we'll realize a lot of that on this first record, a lot of that goal. You know, it's not a thing that can happen overnight, but. Um, that's, you know, like, just the way we play when we play at CBGB, so we have a really diverse audience. Mm -hmm. We want to see that. We want to see that grow across the country. Because I think it's important that people see that they're not as different as they think they are mm -hmm. from each other. Right. Yeah, I hope that works out for you. Um, are there any up upcoming concerts that we can look forward to? In the uh, area? We're going to be playing in Trenton uh -huh. at the City Gardens on right. Saturday. Oh, okay. Um, are you headlining that bill? Yes, we are. Uh-huh. And uh, is there a Knitting Factory concert also coming up? Yeah, um, going to be doing something which, which isn't a living, which isn't actually a living color uh -huh. uh, thing. But I'm going to be doing a, um, a thing at the Knitting Factory this coming Sunday mm -hmm. with John Sherman and with Kweya at Japan and Seiku Sundiata and maybe a couple of other people, <laughs> which is very different music. Right. Totally. Does that, does that reflect more on your background, like with people like John Zorn and Ron Yeah, and it's Jackson. more like the kind of thing I did with John Zorn and Shannon Jackson, and uh -huh. like that. So, so it's a little, a little more avant-garde. Uh -huh. can, can you see yourself continuing to record in that sense, or certainly, uh -huh. certainly? Um, does, does your contract with Epic for you? I definitely up? see see um, that as another strain of influences and ideas. That I want to continue, uh -huh. and I want to see cross pollination between the two things too. Not that they're totally separate bags. I mean, you know, there's lean more leanings from from one to the other, but I I see it as a unified thing actually. Uh huh. All right, Vernon. Well, that's about all the time we have. Thanks a lot. Uh, Thank you very much. All right. Can you can you do one last thing for us? Yeah. Uh, can you say uh, this is Vernon Reed of Living Color, and you're listening to WPRB in Princeton? This is a station ID. No problem. Okay. What's your What are your uh, numbers? Uh, 103.3 FM. S say it again? 103.3 FM. I, I didn't get the numbers, though. Uh, WPRB? Yeah. Yeah, in Princeton. WPRB, Princeton. Uh-huh. And what are your uh, call numbers again? 103.3. Every time you say I, I'm not... <laughs> it's <laughs> funny, the way the connection stereo is, I'm not in the beginning of it. Stereo 103. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? Speak up. speak up and say it again. All right, Stereo 103 FM. 103. 103 FM? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. 103 FM, okay. Right. Is there any particular name for the show? Um, no, just, just a generic ID, basically. Okay, Josh, um, just let me know when you're ready. All right, right now, it's fine. Okay. You're listening to Vernon... Oh, sorry. Uh -huh. Let me do it again. Okay. This is Vernon Reed of Living Color, and you're listening to 103 FM WPRB in Princeton, New Jersey. Check it out. All right. Thanks a lot, Vernon. 
Thanks a lot for all the support. You've been great. Princeton right. has been great to us. Okay. Yeah, well, well, we really, like, really you know, enjoy We always the love to play there. We look forward to um, coming back to Princeton real soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Josh. All right. Take it easy, Vernon. means a lot to us. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.